Hello and welcome to our inaugural episode of Culture Talks. We are Heather and Shaila, two of the regional managers of Crown's Global Skills Team. I'm Heather, I'm based in the UK, and I oversee cultural training programmes in Europe, the Middle East and Africa. I'm Shaila, I'm based in Hong Kong, and I oversee programmes in Asia-Pacific. So we have all lived and worked internationally ourselves and Global Skills is an in-house team within Crown World Mobility. We work with country expert trainers to deliver cultural training across the globe. We help people relocating for work to adjust to new cultural situations so that the companies investing in them can meet their business goals. We are therefore so lucky to get a fascinating insight into many aspects of culture, of cultural training questions and considerations of the hundreds of people who we deliver programs for. Each episode of our podcast, different members of the Global Skills Team will join us to pull back the curtain of cultural training, bust some myths and do this with stories from work and our own personal lives and examples on a different topic each episode. And today's myth is that a cultural training is a one-size-fits-all, a list of do's and don'ts. We're going to jump into why cultural training can be many things to many people. And in upcoming episodes, we're going to explore and dive deeper into certain aspects of the whys and what effective cultural training really entails. And here's the truth. Um, talk about pulling back the curtain. This, if you haven't already guessed, is our first episode um, and our first podcast. And we want our podcast to grow and evolve just like we're growing and evolving and just like culture changes and evolves and grows. So today we're going to be looking at different topics of what cultural training can do. We are going to touch on a lot of these throughout future episodes and we might possibly throw in other topics as well that feel important as we go along throughout this first series. You know, we want to keep this podcast growing and evolving. Well, it's just like our programs, Heather. You know, they've changed over the last 20 years. So in much. The early, yeah. I mean, in the early days, we get we used to get asked if our program will cover, you know, handing out business cards, how to hold chopsticks, or even mm-hmm. tying a sari. And mm-hmm. that we do know that these things can be concerns. You know, it's important when you're moving to a new country. And this is what, when someone actually experiences a cultural training program, they realize about how much more deeper our programs are because we mm. actually go into learning about the new culture and how to explore how the host, how, how the host culture works and what's really yeah. beyond the surface. So for us, cultural training focuses on behavior and, you know, the approach is to provide the assignee with knowledge, right? Giving them, yeah giving them information on how to handle things in the unknown. So really, cultural training is really what lies beneath that. So Heather, tell me a little bit about, I know you've lived abroad. How Mm -hmm. would cultural training have really helped you? Oh, my goodness. I mean, so many different aspects, you know, like I've relocated to three different countries as a single as a single person in each one of them. And, you know, like really first, like that, that that's part of being single like cultural training could have really helped me like with with dating you know it could have helped me understand like what different behaviors meant and and how to navigate that aspect you know I'm kind of joking but that's a big part of your life when you know you were living and working in a different country um you also don't want to cut off 
um, different aspects of your life. But, I mean, you know, dating, building social connections, making friends, you know, understanding like people, people's behaviors. You know, when I first moved to Taiwan, you know, just just having insight into um, why people would the, 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 how it, like as a British person, like how uncomfortable I would feel when people would stare at me. Um, you know, that's so it's so not done or it means a lot when someone is staring at you. But in Taiwan, it's just completely normal. You know, like it's not considered to be you know inappropriate or rude. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I first moved to Taiwan, I remember walking along the street to my new flat and this old man was coming towards me. And, he, you know, I smiled at him because I smile at everyone. And he smiled back at me and he was really looking at me. And I was like, OK, right. He's really looking at me. And then as he walked past me, he continued looking at me. And as I walked past, he turned around and he stared so much that he actually walked off the pavement and into a puddle. And it was just like this amazing like experience of like, wow, what does this mean? Um, that just remember that like real like discomfort of not understanding it. But I mean, outside of uh, outside of work as well, but inside of work, you know, going in to um, an office uh, as a British person, it's so normal to eat your lunch at your desk. You know, like you grab a sandwich, you're just going to, you know, like kind of say hello to people and sit down and just continue working with you. But going into um a culture where teams go out for lunch and there is that expectation of going out for lunch and like what that actually meant in navigating those relationships that would have been so valuable for me yeah I understand because here in Asia you know the relationship building is crucial and in the workplace it's it's going out for lunch with key stakeholders you know your colleagues you're you're, yeah. you're, you're having a team lunch this is where decisions are made and negotiations are done and this could be the make or break so you know, yeah. all of these face-to-face meetings are, are so crucial for people when they're wanting to build up their relationships out of the workplace in Asia. And we focus this in the training, right? So even in, in, in the U.S. where you see that the task is more at hand and they're very transactional. So if you've got a U.S. manager working with a team in Asia or in Japan, you know, or in China, it might be that they just need to, they want to get the task done and don't they miss out on the importance of having that lunch and talking to their colleagues out of the office environment. I mean, even for me, 20 years in Hong Kong, I still get baffled about why the door closes, you know, when on the lift, someone's pressing door close, door close, always getting, you know, everyone's in a rush to get somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's really frustrating. If it's someone who, you know, if you're new moving into a new country, you're just wondering what's going on, right? Why is everybody like being so quick and fast moving on so quickly yeah and it's stressful right it's stressful to try and work out and navigate you know like what what it all means and that's why cultural training can fall under so many different umbrellas you know it's not just um something that is useful for people who are relocating you know it can also uh, support people with their mental well-being you know we're seeing more people more companies coming to us um to talk about well-being um and using cultural training as a wellness tool you know so Training can really help you put, you know, stress aside and give a focus on you, you know, understanding that you don't need to change, that it's 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 understanding how to work within that new country, allowing yourself to work within that new country by making some adaptations, um, you know, giving you that kind of place of place of comfort. That's that's, mm. you know, that's also what what cultural training can do. 
Oh, great. And and then, you know, we see that with the, the, the leaders, you know, people, senior executives. So, OK, exactly. well-being, but also how does the senior executive who's going on assignment, you know, how do they manage their their style? How do they adapt? You know, we're not asking them to change. We're asking them to modify their behavior. Maybe they, you know, if they're giving feedback in, in a Asian country where face is so important and they don't understand mm. the concept of face, this could be really mm. quite detrimental. Um, so, you know, adapting management styles as well. So it does, it, it really does help to, to get a better understanding of what, what's going on beyond the surface. Absolutely, and it's not even just in 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 you know in in Asia in in EMEA. We've recently had a business focused um, training program for a company that was opening up a new office, um, <clears throat> and the headquarters were from were in Australia, and so there was like a lot of like Australian culture coming into um, into France, and and it was an, an interesting example. Kind of within that was. A senior leader, a very senior mm. leader, who was very kind of informal. That's how the way that he'd always worked. And he always, part of how he built rapport with his team was to give everybody nicknames. <coughs> oh. um, and, cre- and yeah, he had a nickname for everybody, you know, within the company. There's a much flatter hierarchy in Australia that, you know, like that's how, um, that's how he built his relationships. And part of the cultural training was talking about why that was really going against him in France and you know like how that kind of the the cultural identity around respect and around self meant that 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 kind of behavior just wasn't being received in the way that he wanted it to be received so yeah so I mean that was a nuanced example but there were just you know there are so many different ways that understanding can really help businesses meet their objectives and people you know overcome understanding a lack of understanding Totally. And, and that, that also links to cultural training, raising self-awareness, you know, it's linked to unconscious bias. You know, when you're, totally. when you're doing a training, you can actually understand a little bit more about the way you, your management style is or the way you're, you prefer to do things. And yeah. it, it raises your awareness as well. So, you know, you in nowadays in the virtual world, we see meetings that are done virtually over the phone and, and there might be some of our colleagues that are slightly quieter but it doesn't mean that they don't have the ideas it's a lot to do with the fact that the way that they're processing culturally they don't feel comfortable to to air their views and perhaps maybe they want an agenda and later on they'll they'll come back to to give their views later but this is just a great way of seeing it as a form of unconscious bias training Absolutely. And understanding that what you're doing, you know, as a manager, as a, as an individual, it's not it's not wrong. You're not doing it wrong. But in different cultures, there are more effective ways, perhaps, of doing what you're trying to do, building that rapport, creating those opportunities for people to, to share their kind of ideas. And that's why, you know, cultural training is also now such a valuable and vital part of general learning and development. You know, we are all working um in you know multicultural environments you know like I'm in the UK <laughs> you know if you're in Hong Kong our entire global skills team is a very very multicultural um mm-hmm. organization you know like we talk all of us across you know like anyone who's kind of working in the in the corporate world now works in a multicultural environment you know it might well be that you've got different cultures within your team it might well be that you've got 
um, you know, you work, your company works with a shared service centre in a different country or you're opening up a new office branch. You know, there's always going to be elements of culture that can really support within, you know, a non-relocating workplace. And so this is what we wanted to, to talk about throughout the um, upcoming episodes of Culture Talks. We want to really look into um, what we mean when we talk about culture, the different ways that culture can, um, cultural training can support um, relocation, can support businesses, can support individuals, um, and just give that, that understanding and, and insight. And at the end of every episode, we want to leave you, our audience, with a question. So today's question is, I would like to invite, your, invite you, as you go through your day, to think about how could cultural awareness help you or support you with each activity or conversation that you're having? Where are you having multicultural interactions and more cultural awareness could bring more support for you so thank you so much for listening to our first episode thank you so much Shyla. it is always a joy thank you heather <laughs> and join us next time on culture talks where we dive deeper into the different needs of people <laughs> <laughs>